are finishing up Exodus chapter 12 today. If you've been here, you may remember that um, we've uh, been in Exodus chapter 12 for a couple of weeks already. Let's see what we got going on. Exodus chapter 12, we're in the 10th plague. So 10 times God has tried to warn, not tried to, he's warned Pharaoh, attempting to get Pharaoh to turn, to give up his pride, and to turn uh, and, and uh, give his allegiance to God. But Pharaoh is like, no way, Jose. There are three main divisions in Exodus 12. We see a reset. And I'm going to go through some of these very quickly because we don't need to cover the entire chapter today. Reset and then rescue. And then we will get a recap of what's taken place so far. In the reset, the first 28 verses, here's what we saw. We saw that the, um, that God started brand new with the children of Israel. They're still in Egypt, but he comes to the children of Israel and says, we're starting a brand new year. So um, just he tells Moses, stop the calendar right here, and this is where we're, we're restarting. Uh, with that new year, they received some new feasts. They received some new feasts. Two, in particular, the Passover, Passover feast, um, that uh, is still celebrated to this day, which it was supposed to be celebrated. Uh, he had told them, uh, God had told them, you just, you just celebrate this from now on. And then uh, right up um, uh, as the, the, the Passover is ending, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is beginning on that very same day. So um, they had specific days that they were supposed to start. Um, and, and then the Unleavened Bread uh, was a, another feast that they had. And uh, that's as far as we got. Verse 21 is where we saw these new instructions given. And I was trying to remember if I covered these last time, but we'll go through them real quickly, beginning at verse 21, and then we'll get into our next section and finish the chapter. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families. And then they were to kill that Passover lamb. And he tells them, he instructs them in verse 22, you shall take a bunch of hyssop, that was a plant. So they were to take a, a bunch of that and uh, dip it in the blood of the lamb uh, that is in the basin. So they were, they were to collect that blood from the lamb. And then they were to put it on the lintel, strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And then none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. So don't leave. The point is that they were going to be covered by the blood. So if they go outside of their houses to, you know, like when your neighbors, uh, you know, the, the, the fire engine or the paramedic, you know, some uh, rescue workers or something show up at your neighbor's uh, house down the street and you go out to like, oh, you know, I think this is a good time to take out the trash or whatever, you know, and you go out and you want to like look around and, you know, maybe like, and then you run back in and report to the rest of the family, oh, there's, you know, ambulance or something's out there. Well, he's saying, no, don't, don't go outside to look around. Because um, as, as the night progressed, they would hear screams. They would hear people uh, that were in trouble. And they might be tempted to leave their house and go outside. And God is saying, no, don't go outside because you, you need to be covered by the blood. And, and that happens. The blood goes on the doorway. So you need to be inside of your house in order to um, uh, receive or, or to be covered, to, to, to remain in safety. Verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. That's his main, that's the main target. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. 
and you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. So they're to start it and don't stop. Uh, yearly. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. So tell them, tell them what happened. You're to report this story to your children. And then they, in turn, when they have their own families, will, will report the story to their children. And, and it continues to, it, it, it carries on. Um, then, the, then the children of, I'm sorry, uh, verse 27, um, that you shall say it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. That's their response. They're receptive to it. What God has instructed them to do, they receive it. They, they humble themselves to what God has given. Verse 28, Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. It's a great start with a great attitude. Sadly, the attitude of bowing down and worshiping, sadly, the attitude of going away and doing what they're instructed to do, will not, it, they, they will not always carry that. They will not always remain in that, in that mindset with that attitude of the heart. There will be times when they will be uh, extremely disobedient, which we'll get to further on in, in Exodus and don't necessarily need to talk about that now. But just know that at this point, they are, they are obedient. They are, by faith, they are believing, trusting that these instructions they've been given are true. That, that, that they, will, they will protect them, which we talked about this. What a strange thing. I mean, when you stop and you think about this, for you and I, not so strange because we've been hearing these stories, the story of Exodus and the Lamb. We've heard it for a long time. But imagine for the first time somebody comes and tells you you've got to kill this animal and then take the blood, cover the door with it, because God's coming through town, and that is going to restrain God from coming into your house. I mean, what a strange thing. Like, like the blood of any animal could stop God from going somewhere. And it's not that it's going to stop God. It's that he's going to see it, he recognizes it, and he passes over. Now, I, I, I love this picture. We, we Obviously, we know that this is a picture of the sacrificial lamb of Jesus. Remember John, I pointed this out last time. John the Baptist, he saw Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he, the, the, Jesus was recognized as the sacrificial lamb. And this Passover that's about to take place was pointing to Jesus. That's, that's the idea. Is it's pointing to, it's given a, a reference to something in the future from Exodus chapter 12. And it was pointing to Jesus. Uh, let's stop and think about that for just a moment. That the blood of Jesus would stop God from judging me. Now this is, this is quite strange. Because I was not there when Jesus died on the cross. I wasn't, I wasn't physically there. So how could I possibly take any of that blood from that lamb and and, and put it on my, on my door or on my life or on my heart. I mean, how does all this work? 
It is, that's, that's the whole point here, that it is by faith. You and I, as Christians, we live by faith, according to faith. We don't live according to the flesh. We don't live according to our own, you know, abilities or our own, our own plan. But we go according, by faith, we go according to God's plan. And God's plan was for them to place their faith in this act. And so you and I, the way that you and I escape the judgment of God, or to have God, so to speak, pass over our heart and not bring that judgment, is to have, is to be covered in the blood of the Lamb of Jesus. Now again, how do I do that? The blood, the blood, the blood. How, do I, how does that work? It's by faith. We trust that a man, we believe a the God-man, God in flesh, Jesus, died some 2,000 years ago on a cross. And that because his blood was shed, that we, as we place our faith in that, and we say, yeah, I believe that that happened. I believe that that was enough to pay for my sin. That we then are spiritually, we're covered in the blood of the lamb at that point. And, and, and God has forgiven us. We escape God's judgment. So it's quite incredible. Quite incredible, the plan that God set up. Now, we move into our next section, which is the rescue, beginning at verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of livestock. Now, when it says that he struck all the firstborn, that is speaking of death. It says that the Lord struck all the firstborn. In other words, God took the life of every firstborn from every family. Unless that family was in a home that was covered by the blood of, a, of, of, of the lamb. But everyone that was not, everyone that said, you know what? That is the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. Uh, why, why in the world would I think that this invisible God, understand where the Egyptians are coming from. We, we oftentimes will look at the Egyptians and we'll think, oh man, they're so stupid. And, you know, why didn't they just listen to God? You know, why didn't they, you know, recognize the, uh, you know, all of the plagues that God sent? But I, I want you to understand that from birth, every Egyptian, as they made their way throughout the city of Egypt, would see, visibly, see their gods all over the place. And it made sense to them that there was a god that would carry the sun every morning and then take it back down at night. And it made sense to them that there was another god that had control over uh, the Nile. And they had, it made sense to them that there was another god that controlled the, um, uh, the air and the elements. And one that controlled, uh, you know, the insects or the animal kingdom. It made sense to them. That's how they were. That's how they grew. That's how they they were born that way. And that was the mindset that they were raised in. And everywhere that they went, they would see idols or statues, and they would see images of their gods. And they would say, "Oh, there's yeah, there's my god of such and such, and there's my god of such and such." And then to have two shepherds, who shepherds were detested. To have two shepherds come in and say, there is a God who is in control of all of these gods. Has, he's, he's higher than all of these gods. Well, where is he at? Well, I forgot to mention, he's invisible. Really? So you want me to release all of these slaves to an invisible God, a God that I cannot see. 
And let me get this straight. You guys are shepherds and you're coming in to tell me, uh, you know, the king of Egypt, that you want me to let all of these people go. Really? I mean, how ridiculous does that sound? It sounds crazy. But that's what was going on. And, and, and so for them to also hear, you've got to, now you've got to kill a lamb and put the blood on the door if you want to be saved. Pfft, come on. Really, first of all, you come, in, you come at me with an invisible God. I mean, look around. I, we've, got, we've got statues and we've got, we've got idols set up and we've got these monuments to our, these great monuments to our God. I mean, these are, this is power. And now you show up with this so-called invisible God. And now all of this craziness, and now you want me to kill an animal, put the blood on the door, and that's supposed to save me? Really? And so the cross for us today, for many, is foolishness. Wait a minute. You want me to believe that God, first of all, God came to this earth in the flesh and became a person, a man, a human being. And you want me to believe that 2,000 years ago he died on a cross and that because of that death, because his blood was spilled, that here I am today in 2020 that I can be saved? Really? I mean, where's, give me some tangible proof. Show me something. Oh, you've got a Bible that tells this story. Ah, okay, I get it now. Can you understand how crazy that sounds to a lot of people? And yet, we understand, we believe, we know that this is God's word. It's his truth. It's, it's been proven. It's, it's backed up with facts. Historically, we understand that this is absolutely true. And this is God's plan for you and I to place our faith in his plan. So understand that these Egyptians were not just readily, you know, they're, they're not just, they're just, you know, excited to put blood on their door. They weren't. And because they were not, they experienced their households, their families experienced death. Everyone, even the animals. Now, once that happens, verse 29, beginning at verse 30, we see that they are driven out. So Pharaoh rose in the night. He and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Now, thinking back, those of you that were here for the Passover, remember that they needed to eat the Passover uh, fully clothed with a belt on their waist, sandals on their feet, staff in their hand. Um, they had to eat it in haste. Uh, no time for uh, leavened bread. You can't, there's no time to put that thing in the oven. And, and, and wait for it to rise. They didn't have time for that. Why? Here it is, verse 30. Because Pharaoh rose in the night when he realized that all of these people's homes, all of these different families had experienced death all in one night. He rises up in the middle of the night and in verse 31, then he called for Moses and Aaron by night. Ah, I get it. The Passover, it's celebrated at twilight. Uh, not the one with Robert Pattinson. No, that we're talking about the, the, you know, as the sun is going down and darkness is falling. Um, oh, okay. So they, uh, uh, as they're celebrating that, God is going through the city and taking the life of the firstborn. So now at night, when Pharaoh realizes this, he wakes up in the middle of the night. And by night, he calls Moses and Aaron in verse 31. And he said, rise, 
go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Everybody get out. He wasn't asking politely. He was saying, rise, get out of here. When he said, go out from among my people, it's get out of here now. And in verse 32, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone. And then at the very end of verse 32, and bless me also. So we see that Pharaoh's heart in this moment has, he's, he's bowed himself, he's humbled himself before this invisible God who sent his two shepherds. He's bowed himself to him. He is, he's, he's, re, he's relented, he's, he's given up. And he's telling these guys, you got to get out of here and take everything with you, just like you guys originally said, go. He finally gives in. And then at the very end, realizing his, 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 uh, uh, um, uh, his insignificance compared to God, he says in verse 32, and bless me also. Give me a blessing before you leave. He realizes in that moment that God, this this. This, these, these two uh, um, uh, shepherds who came with this message that God was, you know, I, I, I am the Lord and, uh, you know, I'm going to show you who I am. He realizes in this moment, ah, I get it. He is who he said he is. And in verse 33, the Egyptians urged the people, this is the rest of the people, that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall all be dead. So just get everybody, all of the Egyptians, they're saying, get out of here now, go. So the people in verse 34 took their dough. Okay, it's not talking about money. It's talking about their food. They took their dough before it was leavened. Ah, okay. Having their kneading bowls, that's where they would mix their dough, bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. So, so this is how quick this all took place, that as the Passover feast was taking place and they're beginning the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, uh, God is going through Egypt and taking the life of every firstborn. And when Pharaoh hears about it, he wakes up, he calls them in, all of the Egyptians, everybody now, they're all saying to the Hebrews, get out of here right now. And it happened so quickly that it gives us a little detail there in verse 34 that as they were making, you know, they were kneading their dough in the in the uh, in the kneading bowls, that somebody came banging on the door like, "You got to get out now!" So they just wrapped up their unleavened bread in clothing and put it on their shoulder, grabbed whatever they could, and started to make their way out of town. Verse thirty-five. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked. From the Egyptians, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. Now, we wonder these little things like why, why that? Why did God tell these people to ask the Egyptians and their the Egyptian neighbors that they might have had? Hey, uh, would you please give us gold and silver and uh, what else? Articles of of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. Now, there's no way that this is going to repay the full amount, but understand that the Hebrews have been enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years. Everything that they had, everything that they owned was uh, in, in submission to the Egyptians. The Egyptians had uh, uh, complete power. 
And so now, and, and, so, and so obviously as slaves, they were extremely underpaid, barely taken care of, just enough to keep them alive to continue working. So as they're leaving, God actually restores some of that payment that they had been cheated out of for many, many years. He provides for them. They would need those things on the road as they're traveling. They even get clothes as they're leaving Egypt. They even got, they got a new set of clothes. You know how it is, right, ladies? You're going on a trip. Got to do a little bit of shopping. Get a new outfit, right? There are going to be pictures of the family. There's going to be selfies. Like, I, go, I better make sure I got my, my outfit hooked up. And so they're leaving town. Not only are they getting gold and they're getting silver, but they're also getting clothing, new outfits, Egyptian. Can you imagine that? Egyptian silk, linen, beautiful clothing. And so it says this, uh, in verse 37, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. Now, 600, now so what they did was they got a, 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 a close uh, count uh, they don't, it's not an exact account. There was no way for them to, to count every single person because there were so many. 600,000 men. So that, what that does is it gives you and I an idea of they had, there was at least 600,000 men. They, it says besides children. They didn't count the children. What about the ladies? So you can imagine these numbers have swelled. Now, does anybody remember how the Hebrews even got to Egypt in the first place? Does anybody remember that? Did they just answer an ad in the newspaper that said, hey, we really need slaves, please come on over, and they just went? How did they, how did they even get there? They got there through Joseph because, if I'm correct, he, he had a control, and then um, from Jacob's family, they stayed in Egypt, and they must have multiplied there? Or? That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right, Jordan. Yeah, Joseph was there. Um, a really cool story, but it's a long story, and I won't go back and tell the entire story. But Joseph is a Hebrew. He's there in Egypt, and he gets reconnected with his family. They had a dysfunctional family. We wouldn't know anything about that. Dysfunctional family, and his, his, all of his, his dad, his family, his brothers, everybody comes to live with him in Egypt, and he sets them up in the land of Goshen. Pharaoh actually said, give them the land of Goshen. They can stay there. They can live there. It's, it's theirs. But as time went on and the Hebrews began to multiply, other pharaohs came into, into power, and, as, uh, 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 and, and what eventually happened is that there were those that said, history is not important. History is stupid, and we don't need it, and uh, I don't know why they make us take it in school anyways. I hate history, and uh, so we don't need it. So what they did was, not knowing their history, they did not know who Joseph was, and they did not know who his family was and who the Hebrews were and why they were even there in the first place. Does anybody even know why they were there in the first place? I don't know. Let's just make them slaves. So the importance of knowing your history because had the Egyptians known that God, it was God that orchestrated all of this, they probably would not have messed with them in the first place and enslaved them. But they didn't. They forgot. So they swelled from one family to 600,000 men on foot besides the children. So some people believe that there were multiple millions out there. I think that at least a million is not inconceivable at all. 600,000 men... Uh, I imagine in my puny little brain at least another 600,000 women and then 
kids. I mean, just kids everywhere, you can imagine, because every family, uh, not every single family would have multiple kids, but many of the families, most of the families, would probably have multiple children, big families. So there's, there's a, a, at least hundreds of thousands out there. Some believe that it's in the millions. Can you imagine as they're, as they're leaving Egypt all at once, what a madhouse, what a madhouse. You ever go to a concert or a professional game and you try to get out of the parking lot like right after it ends? Forget it. We go to Galaxy Games once in a while or we might go to concerts or go see PBR or something. And, you know, you're in downtown L.A. or you're at, you know, the, the Honda Center or wherever you're at. And it's just like, you know what, you get out of the game. Because I'm one of those guys, like, no, I want to stay to the very, very end. And, and then by the time you get out to the car, it's like you, you get in the car, you turn it on, and, and then you're looking around like, how are we going to, everybody, it's just, everybody's in line, but it's still a parking lot. Like how, nobody's moving. How is this even possible? And it's like, oh, just forget it. Turn the, turn the car off, put the windows down, relax, you know, and don't even worry about it. Uh, you're talking hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions leaving all at once. Incredible. Verse 38. This is a key verse. It says in verse 38 that a mixed multitude went up with them also. Flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared, prepared provisions for themselves. So it's, it's fast food. <laughs> This is where fast food came from. Like, get your food, hurry up, get out, get out of Egypt. But back to verse 38. A mixed multitude went up with them also. A mixed multitude is in reference to the people that left Egypt. There were many that went. What this tells us, there's a lot here in verse 38 in that phrase, a mixed multitude. There were many who were not Hebrews because certainly there were other peoples in the land that weren't, that, that, that not, not just Egyptians and Hebrews, there must have been others. Who they were aware of what was taking place, the 10 plagues, they heard the message of Moses, they, they knew all of that. And evidently there were many that had covered their doorway in blood also by faith. But I wonder, I wonder also, and this is just my, and again, in my puny little brain, I wonder if in verse 38, when it says a mixed multitude, if there were also some who didn't cover their doorway in blood, but at this point, as they, as they lost a loved one, they realized, they came to the point where they realized these Hebrews have some kind of power, some kind of God. We can't see this God, but... He's, he's powerful, and if we want this blessing, we got to go with them. Let's get out of here. And they packed up their things and went also. But I love that everyone was welcomed. A mixed multitude went out. The Hebrews didn't stop and say, wait a minute, you don't look Hebrew to me. You're not allowed to go. Stay here. Or let's check your ID. Or we got to do a quick DNA test. Or, you know, some, some other way of, you know, uh, uh, you know you're, you're, you're not a Hebrew, you're not a Jew, so you got to stay here in Egypt. We don't want you. They didn't do that. But a mixed multitude went out. There were those that followed. What a wonderful thing to think about this. 
that those who placed their faith in God and covered their doorway in blood, I, 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 I love this, and, and hopefully you'll understand why. As God would go through Egypt that night and he's taking the life of the firstborn, he recognizes the blood on the doorway and he passes by. God does not stop and go, I don't think this is a Hebrew home. What? Why do you have blood on the doorway? You guys are not Jews. This doesn't, you know, this does not pertain to you and, you know, zap the life out of somebody. It does not matter what is taking place on the inside, but that the doorway was covered by blood. Now, why do I like that so much? Because, spiritually speaking, my heart has been, the doorway to my heart has been covered in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. But I will freely confess to you, as I've done so many times from this spot, I will freely confess to you that what's going on inside of my heart is not always holiness, you guys. And it's not always uh, uh, thoughts of heaven. It's not always thoughts of glorifying God. But there are times that in my heart, on the inside, my heart is struggling, my faith. I might be, I might be struggling with my faith. Or I might be thinking things that I ought not think, sinful thoughts, or just my attitudes that, that are going on inside. And I love that, yes, God recognized that. He, he knows what's going on, but he sees the blood. covered in the, I'm covered in the blood of Jesus, and he's patient with me. I see myself in these, in these I'm, I'm not a Jew, but I see myself in this mixed multitude somewhere. Like, you're not a Jew. I don't even know what you are. I know, but man, I recognize God. And man, I've, I, 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 you know, I'm some kind of mongrel or something. Who knows what I am? But man, I'm going with you guys. Like, please don't leave me. I want to be covered in the blood also. And I can oftentimes find myself struggling on the inside. But being covered by the blood of the Lamb. God is patient with me, forgiving merciful, gracious, ready to pardon like Nehemiah chapter 9 tells us. I love that. And I'm assuming that you recognize that in your own life, that oftentimes you struggle and maybe your faith goes up and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down. It's like a roller coaster. And you may at times feel like, you know what, I'm not worthy or, you know what, I think God's probably mad at me or, you know, I, I, I really don't deserve this relationship with God or, you know, I really don't deserve God's mercy. Correct, 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 correct. Join the club. That's the point is that none of us are perfect. None of us. And we want to be holy and we strive for that. But then there are times when we don't and, we, and the desire is gone and we're not striving for holiness and we're struggling and looking at a decision and, and knowing that, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do, but this is what I feel like doing and struggling in that. And sometimes not making the right decision and purposely making the wrong decision. And we can oftentimes condemn ourselves. But if you've been here on Wednesday nights, watch out. Romans chapter 8. There's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
If someone tries to condemn us, I'm in Christ Jesus. But what if I try to condemn myself? I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm covered in the blood. What a wonderful thought that even in the book of Exodus, so many years prior to the coming of Jesus, at this point, you know, in, in Exodus chapter 12, that we're, we're seeing all these beautiful pictures. Verse 38, this mixed multitude, I'm in there somewhere with my family. And like, let's go, come on, the, the, you know, the Hebrews are leaving, we got to go. Let's go with them. I'm in there. They leave in verse 39 with, with the, whatever they have, the unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, they had no time. Verse 40 down to the end is where we get this recap, and we'll move through it quickly because we already know all of these things. There's just a few little details in here, um, some new little details uh, uh, that maybe we didn't get in the first description. Verse 40, now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. So in other words, what they're telling us is that the Jews were in, had, had been in Egypt for 430 years. And in verse 41, it came to pass at the end of the 430 years on that very same day. God's right on time. It came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So now they're called the armies of the Lord. They're leaving that day. It is a, a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generation. So the recap we see here gives us a, the reason for the Passover meal. That's what he was talking about. It's a solemn observance because man, on that night, that was a good night. We were rescued from Egypt. However, there were hundreds, perhaps thousands, that lost their lives that night because of the hardness of Pharaoh. And God had to come through, so there, there, was, there was death. As we're leaving, there was death. And they're recognizing that, man, we, you know, we, we, we were saved by the goodness of God. So we get the reason for it. Now in verse 43, what he does, and this, is, this will take us to the end, we see some of the rules that were given. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the ordinance of the Passover. Now, don't let this next phrase throw you. We'll talk about this. Verse 43, no foreigner shall eat it. There it is. God's racist. He doesn't like foreigners. Please. Let's read. Verse 44. But every man's servant who is bought for money. Wait a minute. They bought other people as servants? Yes. I don't think that's right. Okay, let's move on. When you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. So if a family bought a servant, and that servant wanted to, being part of the family, wanted to celebrate the Passover, well, then that individual, if he was a, if it was a male, would need to be circumcised. Then he could partake of the Passover meal. Verse 45, a sojourner and a hired servant 
shall not eat it. Well, wait a minute. I thought you just said the hired, you know, what are you talking about? Well, they, in order for, let's read, let's read on a little bit. Uh, in one house, it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. And all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. There it is, okay? So as far as the guys were concerned, if they were, um, if, if, if anybody wanted to celebrate Passover, the guys, they needed to be circumcised first. They needed to, what we might call proselytize. They needed to, to make themselves as the Jews, as the Hebrews who, were, who practiced circumcision. And when they did that in obedience to God, then they could celebrate the Passover, okay? That's what he was saying in verse 44. In verse 45, when he said, a sojourner, traveler, and a hired servant shall not eat it, they shall not eat it unless they go through that rite or that ritual first. Verse 46, in one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house. Don't make yourself, you know, if you're a Hispanic man and you go to a party, a birthday party, a, you know, family get together, you always got to leave with a plate. The mom in the house always wants to give you a plate. Yes or no? Right? Yeah. Always got to go with a plate. And they always want to pack it up. No, 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 no. Take some food and throw all kinds of food on there. You know, here you go. No, it's okay. We got a bunch of food. No, 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 no. I don't want to hear it. Take the food. All right, fine, I'll take the food. Well, you're not to take this food anywhere. It's to be completed inside of your home. Don't carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Don't break any of the bones. Jesus' bones were not going to be broken. And so this is a picture. Don't break any of its bones. What a reminder this would be. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep, we read that. So let's skip to verse 49. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. God was very specific. Thus all the children of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. That's obedience. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Brought out all of them. Hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions, brought them all out. But what good news for you and I this morning, what a reminder this is of God's salvation through the Lamb, Jesus, that he provided for us, and that it's available to all. I love that aspect. It's available to all. So if this morning you sit here thinking, well, you know, I'm not a Christian or I wasn't raised in a Christian home or, you know, I, I, I'm not, you know, I don't really, you know, I, I struggle. Sometimes I believe in God. Sometimes I don't. Or, you know, I've got these things that I, I you know, are, are messed up in my life or my family's dysfunctional or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of weird or, you know, I'm kind of awkward or, you know, all the different excuses that you can come up come up with, uh, none of them, they all pale in comparison to, they all fail. God's salvation, his love is extended to all. He was patient with Pharaoh 
ten times. Ten times. Or we might technically say nine times, and then finally on the tenth time he brought his judgment. But he gave opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Everyone was welcome. The mixed multitude went. Anybody that placed their faith. And so it is for you and I, even today, regardless of your gender or your skin color or the type of music that you like to listen to or what you like to watch on TV or you know uh, uh, what your financial status is or what your social status is or whether you're a good student or you're a bad student or it, it doesn't matter. It, none of those things matter. It's does your heart, do you, are, are you willing to bow yourself and worship God? You are accepted when you place your faith in God's salvation, Jesus. That's what he provided. So this morning, if you're saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not perfect, and, but God loves me anyway, surrender your heart to him today. Give your life to him. You say, how do I do that? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Because the Bible says that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. What it means is this, that if I believe that Jesus some 2,000 years ago, went to a cross. He, now, he came to the world, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died there. And in that act of dying, by giving his life, spilling his own blood, he made it, that salvation, available to you, that you, by faith, could take that blood and be covered in that blood and have your sins forgiven and be saved. You say, but wait, do I have to be perfect? No. Do I have to be good looking? No. Do I have to be smart? No. Do I have to have a bunch of money? No. Do I have to have a Christian family? No. Do I have to have a certain kind of haircut? No. Do I have to dress a certain way? No. We're not talking about all of those external things. We're talking about have you placed your faith? Are you entrusting your heart to God and to what Jesus did? If that's you, I will, I will lead you in a very simple prayer this morning. And you can surrender your heart to God and receive that free, that, that gift of salvation that Jesus provided for you and for me. The Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 9, but you are God, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, ready to pardon. He wants to pardon you this morning. Wants to forgive your sins, give you a fresh start. Imagine that. Why? What, what, you know, don't I have to you know, do these things? No, it's by faith. It's not by works. It's not you having to go do anything. It's you placing your faith. Can't beat that with a stick. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning and for your word and for all of these beautiful reminders that we've seen in Exodus chapter 12. And we're not even done with the book of Exodus yet. This morning, as we sit, as we listen, as we hear your word, our hearts perhaps are stirring within us. Those of us that are saved already are thanking you for what you provided, especially as we remember the mixed multitude those that didn't necessarily belong to the Hebrews, and they didn't necessarily belong to the Egyptians either. But still, still they were welcomed. And today, here we are, 2020, and 
all are welcomed at your table. All are welcomed at, at, uh, in, into your salvation. But we, by faith, must, spiritually speaking, uh, apply that blood to the door of our heart. It's by faith. We can't just do it ourselves. We can't just save ourselves. We can't just barricade that door and hope that you don't come in and judge. But it's only the blood of the Lamb that causes you to, 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 to uh, pass us over with your judgment. And, and, and this morning, perhaps there are some of us that have never done that, and we want to do that this morning. We want to, by faith, be covered in that blood of the Lamb. And so we right now, those of us who perhaps want to do that, we pray this simple prayer to you. Father, thank you so much for sending your son to die for sinners. Jesus, thank you for coming to die for me, being my sacrificial lamb. I pray that you would forgive me of my sin now, past, present, future, and that you would give me your free gift of salvation and a fresh start. And Holy Spirit, give me the strength to walk with you all the days of my life now. So we thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please make sure that you let one of the leaders know, okay? Because we would love to just answer any questions that you have and just help you, you know, start heading in the right direction, okay?